Answering Mormon's Questions by Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson deals with 36 commonly asked questions by your LDS friends and neighbors. It's a great resource for Christians who want to share their faith with friends and loved ones. Be sure to pick up your copy today at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Do unclean things have a tendency of entering Latter-day Saint temples? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week, we've been looking at a conference message that was given by Gordon B. Hinckley titled, Keeping the Temple Holy. And as we've mentioned earlier, at the time Gordon B. Hinckley gave this talk, he was a first counselor in the first presidency. He would later go on to become the 15th president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This sermon can be found in the Ensign magazine for May of 1990. And there's a lot of things that he says in here that I think are worthy of note. We ended yesterday's show citing Gordon B. Hinckley, who refers to Doctrine and Covenants section 97, and he quotes a number of verses from section 97. We never did look at all of the, of the verses that he was citing from this, but we did cite, And inasmuch as my people build a house unto me in the name of the Lord, and do not suffer any unclean thing to come into it, that it be not defiled, my glory shall rest upon it. Now, of course, the context of Hinckley's message is the Temple Recommend. That's the little ID card that you get if you answer the questions to your ecclesiastical leaders correctly. You are given this card, and that gives you permission to enter any temple that is owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But when it says in Doctrine and Covenants section 97 that no unclean thing is supposed to go into the temple, and the context for this verse, of course, would be the Kirtland Temple that it's speaking of specifically, if an unclean thing goes into it, the temple becomes defiled. And it goes on to say, Yea, and my presence shall be there, for I will come into it, and all the pure in heart that shall come into it shall see God. But if it be defiled, I will not come into it, and my glory shall not be there, for I will not come into unholy temples. So let me ask you a question. How many unclean people need to be in a temple to make it unholy? That's a great question. When a Latter-day Saint goes into a temple, whether it's the one being mentioned here, which the LDS church doesn't even own any longer, but any of the temples that they do have scattered throughout the world, you don't go into a temple as an individual. You go in as a group. So you would think if there was someone in that group who had received a temple recommend, who probably shouldn't have received one. And we talked about that in yesterday's show, about how Gordon B. Hinckley said that we're giving out temple recommends probably incorrectly to people who are not mature enough to even understand what they're all about. You would think that someone who is unclean would be going in that group and 
ultimately into that temple? Does that mean that the temple is defiled? And what does that really look like? What changes? How would they even know if there was a defilement taking place on that given day? Well, I think everybody who enters into a temple, if they're human, they're a sinner, they're going to defile it. But just the idea that even one person could take away God's holiness from that temple, I I would be concerned if I'm a Latter-day Saint. Is the Lord even present in the temple if that's going on? And how many people who have the recommends, but you don't have to go for an interview, but every two years, how many have actually broken what they had promised they were going to do within those two years. I'm sure many realize they're not doing everything they're supposed to do. Well, I I get the impression that Gordon B. Hinckley is citing from DNC 97 and that these words are meant to be taken for what they say. The problem is, I think, that what it says makes it impossible to keep any of their temples from defilement. Because As we've mentioned many times on this show, the Bible makes it very clear that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You ask any Latter-day Saint, have you stopped sinning? They will not say yes to that question. They know they have a sin problem, just as we know we have a sin problem. And if that is what's going to bring about a defilement of an LDS temple— then you would almost have to assume that every group that goes into a Mormon temple is going to have people in it that are defiling that temple. And if that temple is defiled, what does DNC 97 say? But if it be defiled, I will not come into it, and my glory shall not be there, for I will not come into unholy temples. I, many temple open houses that you and I have been in, we've gone into the locker room and they have locks on each of the lockers. And we've asked the question, well, why do they have locks on these lockers if everybody here is considered to be holy? And they say, well, to keep them from temptation. But let's just be honest. There are probably thieves going into temples just like everywhere else and left with an open locker, they might actually take your wallet. I asked a young lady at one of the temple open houses that I attended about that very thing. I says, why are there locks and keys for these lockers? And her answer was, well, Mormons are people too. (laughs) And I thought, yes, I, I agree. I will also say I think Mormons try to be good people, but they are people too. And if there's one thing that makes us all on an equal playing field here, We are all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. We are a fallen people that need God's grace. We need the forgiveness of our sins. As I've been mentioning throughout this week, the difference between Mormonism and Christianity is how do you get that forgiveness of sins? As we see here, it's all about your personal worthiness. You have to accomplish that. When you accomplish it, you'll probably never know. There's one statement made by Spencer Kimball when he talks about forgiveness. He says there must be works, many works, an all-out total surrender with a great humility and a broken heart and a contrite spirit. He said it depends upon you whether or not you are forgiven and when. It could be weeks, it could be years, it could be centuries before that happy day 
when you have the positive assurance that the Lord has forgiven you. Now, that's from the book, The Miracle of Forgiveness, page 324 and 325. I would hate to be a part of a religion that teaches me this. One of the most precious attributes, I think, of the Christian faith that I hold very dear is the assurance that your sins are forgiven. If you don't know that, you have to ask yourself why. It could be you don't understand what the gospel is really all about, and there are many professing Christians that I feel fall into that category, unfortunately. But if you think it's because you personally are not good enough— That only affirms you don't know what the gospel is all about. Bill, you and I have a mutual friend who lives in San Antonio, Texas, Keith Walker. And when we used to go to Manti to the Mormon Miracle pageant, we had a chance to fellowship with lots of Christians. And every year, Keith would come up with a new uh, T-shirt. And I'll never forget the one that looks like a temple recommend, and it says, Jesus is my temple recommend. That is the difference, because... For us, Jesus did it all. He paid the price completely. In Mormonism, you're required to fulfill the requirements, and it's just impossible to do. Now, Gordon B. Hinckley goes on to say, I submit that every man who holds the Melchizedek priesthood has an obligation to see that the house of the Lord is kept sacred and free of any defilement. My question is, how do you prevent that? How can you actually prevent that? It sounds great. And it it seems pretty pious, but how can the LDS Church prevent this defilement? Hinckley goes on to say, This obligation rests primarily and inescapably upon the shoulders of bishops and stake presidents. They become the judges of worthiness concerning those eligible to enter the temple. (laughs) Think about it. You're going to have fallen human beings making judgments on other fallen human beings. What if you're a friend of the individual that you're interviewing? What if he's your golf buddy? Are you going to say no? Now, I'm sure there's probably cases where they didn't say no, and they allowed them to go in knowing that they really weren't living up to all the questions that they were being asked. But then Hinckley goes on to say, Additionally, each of us has an obligation, first to his own personal worthiness, and secondly, as to the worthiness of those whom he may encourage or assist in going to the house of the Lord. The reason why I'm harping on this defilement issue is even though You're not supposed to have any unclean thing go into the temple, and if they do, the temple is defiled and the Lord is not going to be there, according to Doctrine and Covenants section 97. Well, John Taylor, the third president of the church, mentions this in one of his messages that he gives, and it's found in the Journal of Discourses, volume 24, page 269, where he admits that there are unclean people going into the temple, and he's putting this, as Hinckley says, on the shoulders of those who do the interviews. He says, I speak now to presidents of stakes and bishops. We are told that we are not to be partakers of other men's sins. Now you send men with recommends to me to have me pass upon them. I trust you. I suppose you are acquainted with these things. I suppose you act intelligently and understandably. But if people do not fulfill the requirements of the gospel, you have no right to recommend them to the house of the Lord. They do not belong there. People who do not observe the laws of the gospel and live their religion should not receive recommends. And if you do recommend such, you will be held responsible for I will not. I receive them upon your authority and trust to your judgment. I have known cases where wicked and corrupt men 
have gone into the house of God. Eric, read that last line again, page 269. I receive them upon your authority and trust to your judgment. I have known cases where wicked and corrupt men have gone into the house of God. So he's admitting that wicked and corrupt men have gone into an LDS temple, and yet at the same time we are told that if an unclean thing, and I would assume that's a person, goes into a temple, it would be defiled, and as DNC 97 says, if it be defiled, I, speaking of God, will not come into it. There's no way of preventing this from happening. And we have to assume that in every group that is going through an LDS temple, there could very well be someone there who is defiling it, which means the Lord is not there. But yet you're going to have people probably come out of the temple after their session and say, wasn't that a great feeling? The Lord was there when maybe he wasn't there at all if this is true. They have no way of knowing whether or not a defilement has taken place. And if a defilement has taken place, how do you undefile a temple after that? I don't see anywhere in section 97 that there's a remedy for that. There's no type of ceremonial cleansing that goes on, as far as I know. Maybe there is that I'm not aware of. But certainly, unless everyone is clean going into that temple, the chances are it's been defiled. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.